Welcome to Wobblers. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator here with David Barton, America's premier historian and our founder at Wobblers, and Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor and president of Wobblers. And actually today, we're not here together because we're going to let you hear from Professor John Lott. Yesterday, we started his presentation. Let's head back out to the Pro-Family Legislators Conference. Here's Professor John Lott from CrimeResearch.org. One thing you may not know about is... Uh the Biden administration has been putting together a national registry for guns. The NICS background check system, uh, the way it was set up, it requires that the federal government, after 24 hours after a background check has been successfully completed, for them to delete that information that they have precisely so they can't put together a national registry. The problem is, is that the Biden administration has been collecting information from gun dealers who've been going out of business, uh, and uh, it's also changed the rules because gun dealers have had to keep the NICS background check system for up to 20 years. Uh, now that 20-year limit has been removed, so they have to keep it essentially forever. And they've compiled a computerized database of about a billion purchases of guns, uh, many of them many decades old, but some of them fairly recent. And it's also one of the reasons why they've been trying to put pressure on credit card companies to single out whether or not people have bought guns. Now, they don't know the particular gun that's being bought, but they want to have a code on it that would allow them to, to know that. And that's to help fill in more recent sales that are with guns so they can have a more complete list of, uh, of that. So, you know, there are things that can be done on any of these points, but like with the ESG, there's some states with regard to oil and gas, for example, that say, you know, if you discriminate against these types of companies, then you're not allowed to go and do business with our state or any local governments within our state to try to put pressure on BlackRock and some of these other companies uh, that are, are trying to uh, definance uh, companies in not politically approved areas. And that's one thing more than Texas and West Virginia. If lots of other states did that, that would make it more difficult for, for the federal government to put pressure on these companies to, uh, to essentially put these other firms out of business. Just to give you an example of media bias, uh, a few months ago, you may have seen this, there were billboards being put up in Los Angeles. I thought I'd mention this given that I'm in Texas again. Uh, there were billboards being put up in Los Angeles and San Francisco warning people not to move to Texas. Um, because of uh, the threat of mass public shootings that were here in Texas. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, while the media just kind of uncritically reported what was in the, uh, in the billboards that were there, you will look in vain to find anybody actually look to see whether the claim was true or not. And, uh, uh, but, you know, if you look at it, since 2000, when California enact enacted its major assault weapons ban, uh, California's experienced 10 mass public shootings. Texas, over that same period of time, has had six. So since 2010, California's had eight. Texas has had five. So if, even if you adjust for population, California actually still has a higher rate of mass public shootings per capita than Texas does. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit you know, because this is not the media that has an impact on this debate. It's also uh, the government, the federal government. I was working 
in the federal government up until, in the Department of Justice up until January last year. And one of the tasks that I had was to go and look at these active shooting reports that the FBI puts out. And I made a lot of arguments that they were missing lots of cases there and it was very biased. Uh, but I'll just kind of go through some things here. So you may remember in July this year, there was uh, a, a, what would have been a mass public shooting at the Greenwood Mall outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, where a young man, 22 years of age, stopped this killer. He had killed three people, but he still had something like 125 rounds of ammunition. There are a lot of people he likely would have killed if it wasn't for this young man legally carrying a gun who stopped the attack. Uh, Almost immediately, within a day or two days, depending upon the news outlet, the Associated Press, the New York Times, the Washington Post, hundreds of other news outlets across the United States and the world immediately came and said, well, it's true he was successful in this case, but you have to realize how incredibly rare it is that these types of things happen, that you cannot depend on law-abiding citizens to go and stop these attacks. Now, the FBI, in order to collect data on active shooting cases, and active shooting cases are instances where guns fired in public, not part of some other type of crime like a robbery or a gang fight over drug turf. Um, it could be anything from one person being targeted and missed all the way up to a mass public shooting. All right, folks, hang on one second. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wobblers. Hi friends, this is Tim Barton of Wall Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even Hebrews of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman. Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read. And it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. The Second Amendment to the Constitution, which guarantees to every individual the right to keep and bear arms, has been targeted for years now by those who are determined to dismantle the individual right to self-protection. Opponents argue that only the militia, the military, and law enforcement are to have and use firearms. But those who wrote the Second Amendment strenuously disagreed, including founding father Richard Henry Lee, a signer of the Declaration, a president of the Continental Congress, and one of those who actually framed the Second Amendment? He declared, To preserve liberty, it is essential that the whole body of the people always possess arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. For more information about Richard Henry Lee and the history of the Second Amendment, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to Wobblers. We're going to jump right back into Professor John Lott's presentation at the Pro-Family Legislators Conference. Police departments around the country don't collect that data. 
So what the FBI did was it hired uh, some academics at Texas State University uh, to go and do new searches to go and find these types of cases. They got like $66.9 million. Not all of it went to this. I don't know. They won't tell anybody how much they spent on this, but it presumably was in the millions of dollars. Anyway, they claim between 2014 and 2021, there were 252 active shooting cases. 11 of them were stopped by armed civilians. So that's 4%. Now, I think they missed lots of cases, and I think they also misclassified cases. So there was a case in December uh, 2019, very close to here in Fort Worth, where a, a, a shooting occurred at a, a church, the White Settlement Church. And uh, uh, the FBI classifies that as being stopped by security guards. The thing is, these were just regular parishioners who were there. I've talked to the man who fired the shot there, and he said, look, the pastor said that if you were uh, had a concealed handgun permit, then we'll just make you an honorary security guard. They don't even know how many people were there carrying that day. It's someplace between 18 and 20 of the parishioners were carrying concealed handguns. So the guy obviously picked the wrong church to go after, but nobody got paid. There was no formal training, no uh, you know badges or anything else. They just say, you know, you're welcome here if you have a concealed carry permit. And so there are like five of those cases they misclassified. And then there are 24 other cases where civilians stopped these attacks that they missed. And when I was at the Department of Justice, I would point out some of these cases. I even have it in writing that they admitted that they had, had missed them, uh, but they won't fix them. And, uh, you know, it's just working in the federal government kind of confirms most of my worst fears about the government. But, you know, it's one thing for people to make mistakes. It's another thing when you actually point out, nobody needs to take my word for it. You can go to our website at crimeresearch.org. And in our research, we have a list of cases and we have links to the underlying news stories. So you can go and check them out yourself there. You don't need to take my word for these cases. Uh, so rather than 4%, I would say it's at least 34%. I, we did it with a few thousand dollars. I didn't have millions of dollars to go and do these new searches that were there. So, but even more than that, I'm more confident about the data from the most recent years than I am for the earlier years. In 2021, 49% of these active shooting cases were stopped by armed civilians, okay? And then there's another problem there too, and this I tried to make this argument when I was working at the Department of Justice with no success, and that is, look, you have to differentiate between places where people are banned, it's illegal for them to have guns, versus places where they're allowed to have them. If you're talking about law-abiding armed civilians stopping an attack, they're not gonna be carrying guns in places where it's illegal for them to carry. And so you have to differentiate between those two places. The FBI would have nothing to do with that argument to try to differentiate those sets of cases. But if you do that, in 2021, you're talking about almost 60% of the active shooting cases were stopped by law-abiding citizens carrying guns in places where they were allowed to go and carry the guns. You know, the thing is, it's not just the FBI. The AP reporter, I reached out to the Washington Post. They wouldn't respond at all. I reached out to the AP reporter who wrote the story. Uh, I gave him my stuff. I gave him the work that I did at the Department of Justice and later stuff. 
but he never corrected the story. So I, I wrote back to him. I said, what's the deal here? Uh, you know, I thought you might correct it. And he said, there's no reason to correct it. He says, our reporting citing the specific research by Texas State University over a 20-year period was accurate. No correction was necessary. I wasn't saying he misquoted Texas State University or the FBI. I was saying that they've missed lots of cases. And he doesn't need to take my word for it. Here are the cases that they messed up on this. I could go through lots of examples. I don't really have a lot of time to do this, but just, uh, you know, you have cases that they miss, like uh, a district attorney in, for Syracuse, New York, credited a property manager with saving the lives of several people after uh, he pulled out a legally possessed handgun and fatally wounded a man who opened an attack uh, on a school. You take this one in uh, Florida, uh, not very long after the Parkland shooting, the same year, not very far away, uh, there was an elementary school that was having a back-to-school event. Hundreds of kids were in a park next to the school. Parents, teachers were there. A man came up, started firing his gun. Fortunately, because it was in a park, there was a vendor there who had his permitted concealed handgun. He was able to pull it out and seriously wound the attacker before anybody was killed. You will look in vain to find any national news coverage on that. You would think, given the still Parkland was still getting a lot of publicity that there might be some sensitivity in the news media to a case that ended very differently. Or you can look at a case in South Carolina. You, you must remember the Pulse nightclub shooting. Uh, it's the second worst mass public shooting in US history. Uh, 49 people were killed. Uh, at the time, it was the worst. One week after that attack, exactly one week, there was a similar attack at a nightclub in, uh, in South Carolina. Uh, the attacker there pulled out his gun, wounded three people, was firing at a fourth person when the person pulled out his permanently concealed handgun and seriously wounded the attacker, ending the attack. The difference between the two, Florida is one of 10 states that would ban people being able to carry permanently concealed handguns in places like nightclubs that get more than half of their revenue from alcohol. South Carolina is one of 40 states that allow people to be able to carry concealed handguns in those types of places. Fortunately, there was a guy who was able to stop it, even though the attacker there had well over 100 rounds of ammunition on him when he was stopped. God only knows if it would have turned out to be as bad as uh, the Pulse nightclub shooting. The thing is also just how the media covers these types of things. Um, you know, you look at uh, the Buffalo mass murder from earlier this year. Uh, you know, there's so many things that are biased there. Like they want to classify him as a right winger. He was a racist. But do you know why he was a racist? He was a racist because he was an environmentalist. He was upset that blacks had too many kids. How many people here in this room are upset about people having too many kids? He thought that if you had too many kids, you damaged the environment. And therefore, since blacks and Hispanics were having too many kids, he really hated blacks and Hispanics. He describes himself as a socialist. He described himself as an eco-fascist. How many people in this room describe themselves as eco-fascists? Not too many people. But because he was a racist, the national media called him a conservative, okay? You know, it's like they assume nobody's going to actually read his manifesto. Uh, but the thing is, if you read his manifesto, one of the amazing things is he spends a lot of time explaining why he picked the target that he did. 
He wanted to go to a place where he didn't think any of his victims would have permanently concealed handguns because he thought it would make it easier for him to go and do the attack. Time after time, when you read these manifestos from these killers, they explicitly talk about picking targets where they know victims can't defend themselves. These guys may be crazy in some sense, but they're not stupid. Their goal is to get media coverage. They know the more people they kill, the more media coverage that they're going to get. They know if they go to a place where victims can't defend themselves, they're gonna be able to go and kill more people. They may go to a place that has one armed security guard, for example. But the thing is, if you have an armed security guard or a police officer in uniform, they have an almost impossible job stopping these attacks. Who do you think the killers go after first if they think there's only one person in uniform there who's, who has a gun? It's like that person has a neon sign above them that says, shoot me first. Because once they go and kill that person, they know they're gonna have free reign to go after other people that are there. 94% of the mass public shootings since 1950 in the United States have taken place in areas where guns are banned. I have to read the diaries, I have to read the manifestos for these killers. Time after time after time, they talk about going after this particular target where they don't believe their victims can't defend themselves. And again, you can go to our website at crimeresearch.org and we have a list of those types of cases. Now, um, you know, you look at things, there's surveys of police officers. Uh, you know, police officers know firsthand the issue of crime. They know, anybody who's read my academic research knows how important I think police are, but police themselves know that they virtually always arrive on the crime after the crime has occurred. And that's the reason why police are extremely strong supporters of private ownership of guns. Police One is the largest private organization of police in the country. They have about 450,000 members. 380,000 of them are full-time active law enforcement. 70,000 of them are retired. Just to give you an idea, there's a little bit over 600,000 uh, full-time active police in the United States. When they're asked, do you think it's important for reducing crime for, to have legally armed citizens? 76% of police officers think that it's either extremely important or very important in reducing crime to have legally armed civilians. When it comes to gun-free zones, uh, it's overwhelming. 86% uh, of police officers think that getting rid of gun-free zones would either reduce or eliminate casualties in terms of mass public shootings. Okay, I wanna show you one last video here. You've probably heard that America has the most mass shootings in the world. That's often given as a reason for more gun control. But economist John Lott looked into that claim and he says it's a myth based on one bogus study. The United States has the most mass shootings. By far the most public mass shootings. You don't see murder on this kind of scale with this kind of frequency in any other advanced nation on earth. Where did that claim come from? Obama and everyone else base it on. A study done by University of Alabama professor Adam Lankford. University of Alabama professor Adam Lankford. This is Adam Lankford. I studied 171 countries for more than 40 years, 1966 to 2012. And essentially the answer was, not surprisingly, the United States has by far the most public mass shooters. His claim received coverage in hundreds of news stories. 
But all these people were misled by Langford. All right, folks, one more break today. Stay with us. You're listening to Professor John Lott at the Pro Family Legislators Conference here on Wall Builders. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. This is David Barton with another moment from America's history. Joseph Story is one of the most important names in American jurisprudence. Not only was he placed on the U.S. Supreme Court by President James Madison, but he also founded Harvard Law School and authored numerous legal works on the Constitution. While today's revisionists claim that the goal of the First Amendment was absolute religious pluralism, Justice Joseph Story vehemently disagreed. He declared, the real object of the First Amendment was not to encourage much less to advance Mohammedanism or Judaism or infidelity by prostrating Christianity, but was to exclude all rivalry among Christian denominations. According to founder Joseph Story, Christianity, not pluralism, was the goal of the Founding Fathers in the First Amendment, for only a Christian nation is tolerant and thus is truly pluralistic. For more information on God's hand in American history, contact Wall Builders at 1-800-8-REBUILD. We're back here on Wobblers for the conclusion of Professor John Lott's presentation. Let's go right back out to the Pro Family Legislators Conference. Langford's study claimed that since 1966, there were 90 mass public shooters in the United States, more than any other country. Langford counted 202 shooters in the rest of the world. Langford claimed complete data were available for 171 countries. But how did Langford find every shooting in all these countries, most of which don't speak English? And how did he find all the cases in the years before the internet? Few governments collect this data. Finding complete data for mass public shootings in just one developing country, say India, in the 1970s, would be an incredible feat. Many of these shootings would have been reported only in local outlets, in the local language. That shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. On the other hand, United States mass public shootings are well-documented and hard to miss. If Langford undercounted foreign cases because he missed finding old newspapers or had trouble with language barriers, his paper's entire conclusion that the United States had the most mass public shootings would fall apart. Many journalists and researchers asked Langford for his data not only do he refuse to share a list of his cases or even the number of shootings he found in each country, which are nowhere in his paper, he refused to share an explanation for how he found those cases. 
That's academic malpractice. Asked if he used foreign languages to search for these shootings, Langford stated, my data were not limited to English language searches. Asked what languages he used, Langford refused to provide that information. This is all the assistance I can provide at this time, Langford said. Look, I've researched crime for decades, and I've published dozens of peer-reviewed academic articles on the subject. Langford won't even respond to my emails with simple questions. Now, maybe he doesn't want to talk to me because I'm well-known for my research, more guns, less crime. But Langford has refused to share his list of shooters and methods, even with strong gun control advocates. This all seemed very suspicious to me. So the think tank that I run, the Crime Prevention Research Center, researched it. Unlike Langford, we took a lot of time to find all the foreign cases we could. We even got translators to identify cases. Using the same definition of mass public shooters Langford used, four more people killed in a public place, not part of some other type of crime, we found that he grossly undercounted foreign attacks. We counted well over 3,000 shooters, at least 15 times more shooters as Langford claimed. 31% of total shooters, despite the fact that we only have 5% of the world's population. Of the 86 countries where we have identified any mass public shootings occurring, the United States ranks 62nd. Norway, Finland, Switzerland, and Russia are European countries with significantly higher rates of murders from mass public shootings. The explanation is firearm ownership rate. When Langford's data are fixed, there is no relationship between gun ownership rates and mass public shooters. There's a lesson here. Langford's critical but simple error could have been picked up if journalists had only demanded his data and methods before publicizing his study. Journalists should learn to be skeptical. In the meantime, we should all be skeptical of news coverage of studies like this that simply confirm what journalists and people want to hear. Before releasing this video, I also asked Langford for his data and methods for finding shootings in foreign language media. Langford would not provide the information. Anyway, uh, thanks very much. I greatly appreciate uh, you having me here. I guess I don't have time for questions. And again, all the stuff that we have here is on our website, even though it's blocked out there, uh, on the Crime Prevention Research Center at crimeresearch.org. Everything that I have there and plus much more is at crimeresearch.org. Thank you very much. All right, folks, out of time for today. That was Professor John Lott. He was speaking at the Pro-Family Legislators Conference. You can get more of his information at crimeresearch.org. Great organization to support. And just get on his email list because I, I love it. I mean, it's just good information all the time. And uh, I think one of the best researchers in the country and most plain spoken, it's, it, he just gives you the facts. We're so appreciative that he came out to the Pro-Family Legislators Conference. We're glad we were able to share that information with you. Be sure and visit our website today at wallbuilders.com. Make that end of year donation. It makes it possible for us to have conferences like that to train legislators, pastors, young people, teachers, all the different things that we're doing. We sure would appreciate you considering that end-of-year donation. You can do that today at wallbuilders.com or wallbuilderslive.com. Thanks so much for listening to Wallbuilders. We stand undivided forever.